you to take your Bibles to Psalm 37 this morning. Psalm 37, we're going to look at one verse. I'm going to take you through a few passages of the Word of God this morning that I'll have you turn to. We're going to start off in Psalm 37. And then we're going to go to 1 Peter for a moment, and then we'll be back in Psalm 37 uh, to bring it to a conclusion. So uh, keep a, a marker there in Psalm 37. A wonderful song that was just sung, demonstrating what Colossians chapter 2, verse 10 tells us, that in Him, which is Jesus Christ, in Him, Jesus Christ, ye are complete. Uh, there's no way uh, that anybody or anything can complete an individual outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray here at Gospel Baptist Church, whether you be a visitor for the first time uh, or um, a member for a lengthy amount of years, uh, that you are complete in the Lord Jesus Christ, that you personally know Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's the most important decision that you'll ever make. Again, be with. Uh, please remember, Pastor, in your prayers that uh, God will restore him uh, to his health according to his will, and that Pastor will be back at the next appointed time. Today, I want to talk to you about a subject matter I entitled this message, Don't Forget to Do Good. Don't Forget to Do Good. In a minute, we're going to look at Psalm 37, 3, but in life, it's funny that Sometimes we get focused on what we're doing so much that we forget the entire picture or the big picture at hand. I remember when I was a, uh, in medical school, the, it's a four-year program, and the first two and a half years are didactic in nature. They're where you sit in the classroom and you have a textbook and you go through the textbook and learn about the disease process and uh, treatment, things of that nature. And that's a two and a half years. And then the last year and a half of my schooling in medical school uh, is what is called rotations. And that was a month-to-month -month basis where for one month you would do pediatrics, the next month you would do general surgery, the next month another uh, specialty and, and you went through and there were certain categories that you had to do uh, in that year and a half. They gave you some electives and then you completed uh, you know your medical school then you went into the wonderful time of internship which was a, a sheer joy and blessing uh, for that year uh, and then, then the residency for three years which was another blessing and a wonderful three years I would tell my wife there would be months in my residency where I would be in the intensive care unit, and uh, the, the, right before that month would start, I would tell Linda that uh, I probably will not see you consciously, at least, uh, for most of the month, because those were long days in the ICU, 
Uh, and then you would come home and, and then basically go to bed and get up and do the same thing the next day. But I remember as a third-year medical student, when I started my rotations, my first rotation was pediatrics. And the pediatric uh, resident that I was under uh, the first day that I was in the hospital, so I am a novice at being in the hospital, you have all the or you hopefully have all the book knowledge, but experientially, you, you, you have nothing. And the resident in pediatrics that day for the hospital I was in was called the house officer, meaning that they would deal with any emergencies in the whole hospital. And so I was assigned to pediatrics. He was the resident over me. Uh, basically, I did whatever he said to do, when to do it, how to do it, the whole nine yards. And I remember that soon, because it was a sizable hospital, we were called to the general medical floor because someone had become unresponsive. And so we made our way there, you know, hastily, obviously. And he told me, there, there's the individual lying in the hospital bed, uh, unconscious. And he said, George, what do we do? She asking the wrong guy. I don't know. <laughs> Bury him, I guess. I don't know. I... <laughs> he didn't look good to me. And that was, that, that's the conclusion I had after two and a half years of medical school. This guy does not look good. And so he did. He asked, uh, George, what do we do? And so I immediately think, and for those that have gone through first aid and CPR training, you do your ABCs, your airway, your breathing, your circulation. So I made sure he had a patent or an open airway. He was breathing, and he had a heart rate. His pulse was, was okay. And I said, well, he's, he's breathing. He has a pulse, so those are good. I, I recommend those highly. <laughs> and the resident asked me, what do we do now? He's unconscious. Something is causing this individual to be unconscious. And, you know, I kind of stammered and stuttered. This is my first experience with this. And what I was doing, I was getting lost in the moment and not realizing some simple things that needed to be done. And he told me, he said, George, how about let's check a blood sugar? And I said, that sounds good. He could have told me to go to China and that would have sounded good. But he said, let's check a blood sugar. And that's a simple finger stick. Takes a few seconds to get the results. And the man's blood sugar was in the 20s. So he was significantly what we would call hypoglycemic. And so the resident then said, what do we do? And that one there I knew because that was more book knowledge. I said, well, let's, let's hang a hang a bag of D50, dextrose 50%, basically a high sugar solution, and let's give it to him. And we did that, and the guy woke up and was fine. 
But you can see how I kind of got lost. I was so focused on the ABCs, which I should have been, but I kind of was losing, uh, you know, the thought process of what other things could be causing this man to be unconscious, and thankfully we found out and corrected the situation. There was another time, this, this was when I was in my internship, so I have a little bit more experience outside of just book learning, but a young couple had a baby boy, and the baby boy was just a few months old, and it was crying nonstop. They didn't have family in the area, and the baby just kept crying and crying and crying. They could not console the baby. And so what do you do? You go to the emergency room. That's what they did. And I was assigned during my internship, one of the months I did was in the emergency room. And it happened to be uh, late at night, and I'm the intern. I'm the, basically the low man on the totem pole. And so the, the, the attending physician, the emergency room doctor, said, George, go and take, you know, go find out what's going on and then come back and report to me. And so I had gone in the room, and the baby's obviously crying. There's, you can't console the child. And so you go back to your basic knowledge, you know, your, your basic things, make sure things are okay. So I start to feel uh, all over the baby to make sure maybe something's broken, you know, maybe something's wrong. Obviously something's wrong. The baby's crying, cannot be consoled. And so I start at the top, feel the head, work my way down the arms, the thorax, abdomen, uh, you know, take the diaper off, make sure everything's okay in that department. Uh, and then I get down to the right foot. And the baby, you can tell, is well taken care of uh, by how clean it is and, the, you know, just nicely cared for. But I started to feel the right foot. And what had happened and what I felt was a toe bent backwards. When they had put the sock on, the sock had snagged the nail of a toe, and as they put the sock on, it bent the toe back. It didn't break the, the toe because, you know, a lot of the children, the young babies, the bones are still really cartilaginous or elastic to a degree, so it didn't break anything, but it was causing a lot of pain. And so we took the sock off, that corrected the situation. The baby was consoled. I looked wonderful, obviously. <laughs> The mom and dad were ready to kill somebody uh, to get the baby to stop crying. And, but they tried everything. Uh, and it's easy to get fixated or focused on certain things that are good, but forget other good things, things that need to be addressed. And that's why I want to talk to you this morning about don't forget to do good. Look in Psalm 37, and let me read verse 3. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Many people, and I've had people do this uh, through circumstances that uh, Linda and I have gone through in my life. George, just trust God. Well, first of all, when you tell someone that, that can imply that they're not trusting God. So be careful about that. But just trusting God is not all that we're to do. 
according to Psalm 37.3. The Bible tells us to trust God. I mean, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not upon thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. So trusting God is paramount. Having faith in God, trusting God, believing God... That's not the only thing, but we can get fixated and focused on trusting God, and we should get fixated and focused on trusting God, but the Bible tells us that's not all. Trust in the Lord and do good. Don't forget to do good. You say, how do you trust in God? You got to get to know God. Get to know God. The more you know God, the more you know Him, the more that you experience God in your life, the more you will trust Him because you realize that our God is always there, that our God is faithful, and that our God will never leave us nor forsake us. And that's why when we trust God, we'll wait on God for God to work on our behalf. That's why Psalm 27, 14 says, Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Trust in God. We all need to diligently trust God in all areas of our life, first and foremost for our salvation, but not only for our salvation, but for every day that we live the Christian life, we should be trusting God, and we need to focus on that, fixate on that, uh, think about that, concentrate on that. But the Bible tells us in Psalm 37, 3, there's more than just trusting God in the Christian life. Trust in the Lord and do good. And sometimes I find that myself, as well as probably you, can forget to do good. We are by nature self-absorbent, are we not? By nature, the flesh is selfish. We do things for ourselves to promote ourselves, to take care of ourselves, and there's nothing wrong with taking care of ourselves, but we have to realize that there is a strong command by God in the Word of God, and I'll share with you other places, that not only are we to trust God, which is fundamental for the Christian walk and life, but don't forget to do good. Don't forget to do good. Secondly, not only are we to trust in the Lord and do good, but take, put your finger and keep it in Psalm 37, because we will be back. Go to 1 Peter chapter 3. And let me share with you something else that we need to do, but also remember that we are to do good. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 11 tells us, let him eschew evil and do good, let him seek peace and ensue it. The old English word eschew means more than just avoid evil. It means to avoid something because you despise and loathe it. My friends, as children of God, 
according to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 11, we are to eschew evil. We are to avoid evil. We are to hate it, if I may say, with a passion. It's not enough for us just to avoid sin because sin is wrong, according to the Word of God. We ought to shun sin because we hate it. We should stay as far away from sin as possible. One time when I was in my rotations again, I did surgery. And one of the, in, this is in my internship, I had to do vascular surgery. And vascular surgery, as you probably are aware, deals with the vascular system. I know that's a wonderful enlightenment of you. But uh, <clears throat> you deal with arteries and veins, basically. And we were dealing with a, we call it a triple A, an abdominal aortic aneurysm. Nowadays, they put a stent in those aneurysms. It's wonderful. Uh, when I was in my training, you had to open the belly up and go into the back of the abdominal cavity and literally fix the aneurysm. And it was a major ordeal, and there was a lot of blood loss associated with that type of surgery. Well, one of the individuals back in my training days, that's when just before I started my med school, that's when HIV or AIDS came on the scene. And this individual that we were operating on was known to be HIV, what we call HIV positive. So what do you do? I don't want any of that HIV blood on me. I don't think anyone would want that. So we obviously properly gown up, but in this case, we double-gloved, where normally we would just single-glove. We put on double-gloves and took other precautions to stay as far away from that contaminated blood as possible because we knew that in the right circumstance, or I guess in the wrong circumstance, that blood could infect us, and then we would have issues the rest of our life. And that's the same with sin. Sin contaminates. Uh, we should avoid it, double glove, garment up, do all that we can to avoid sin as much as possible. But as we eschew, as we avoid sin as we don't want it in our life, we don't want it by us, we don't want it near us. The Bible says, eschew sin, avoid it, hate it with a passion. But that's not all. He says, and do good. And do good. Trust in the Lord and do good. 1 Peter 3.11, eschew evil, avoid it, hate it with a passion. Don't get close to it. But not only that, do good. Now go back to Psalm 37. Psalm 37, and let me share with you another verse 
along this same line, not only are we to trust the Lord and do good, not only are we to eschew evil and do good, the Bible tells us in Psalm 37, verse 27, very similar to 1 Peter 3.11, but a little different meaning here. It says in Psalm 37.27, Depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore. This means that you've not really eschewed evil, but you've allowed sin into your life, and it is occupying a part of your life, and the psalmist David in this instance says in Psalm 37, 27, depart from evil and do good. The sin that you've allowed in your life, get it out of your life. No matter what it might be, get it out of your life. Leave it. Don't make a truce with the sin in your life. Get it out of your life. Like Lot leaving Sodom, he physically left Sodom as led by the angels of God. We need to leave sin behind because with sin in our life comes judgment, comes the wrath of God on our lives. We need to, as best as we can, to focus and fixate on this and to concentrate on this. Get sin out of our houses. Clean up our houses. It's like the Feast of Unleavened Bread uh, which took place in the springtime of the year uh, where the Jewish people would go through their house and rid their house of any leaven. Uh, and that was a picture of cleaning up their life, cleaning up their house of any sin that might be there. So we need to do that in our, in our houses. And I believe Pastor even made mention of this several weeks ago that on a regular basis, on a routine basis, we should walk through our houses and look and see what we have. And if anything there is ungodly, is not glorifying God, my friends, depart from evil and do good. Get rid of it. We need to do that. Not only in our houses, but we should get sin out of our cars as well. Isn't it fascinating what we'll do in our car? If I'm walking down the sidewalk or if I'm walking into my clinic, it's a three-story building that has a nice vestibule, you know, welcoming area, and somebody kind of bumps into me, I don't give them any ungodly gestures or say ungodly words or hit them or bump them back. But you put that same person in a car and you put me in the car next to them or behind them and are you not tempted to do certain things that you normally wouldn't do if you were just walking next to each other on a sidewalk or in a building? It's fascinating what those boundaries of the car will do to a person's psyche, almost making you feel untouchable. But you're very touchable because bullets can go through <laughs> windows and uh, windshields and car parts. But we need to clean up our houses and our cars because sometimes we'll do things in our cars that we would not ordinarily do. 
And we fixate on departing from evil. I highly recommend, if you have sin in your life today, God is not pleased. I recommend that you depart from that evil, that you get it out of your life. And that's something good to focus on. It's something good to fixate on. But the Bible just doesn't say in this verse that we're talking about, depart from evil, period. He says, depart from evil and do good. So as we concentrate and work on trusting the Lord, which is good and godly, and we need to concentrate and work on trusting the Lord, we also not only need to trust in the Lord, we need to eschew evil, avoid evil, hate it with a passion, with God's power in our life, try to keep that out of our lives. And as we trust God, as we eschew evil, as we depart from evil, as we get evil, as we get sin out of our lives, all of this is fundamentally godly and good. He says, trust in me, eschew evil, depart from evil, but don't forget to do good. Because that's what Jesus did. Acts 10.38, don't turn there, let me read it for you. It says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good. When's the last time you did something good for someone else? Oh, you're trusting the Lord. You're eschewing, avoiding evil. You're departing from evil. You're cleaning up your life as, as God intervenes and as God directs, but are you doing good? Again, remember, inherently we are selfish and self-absorbed. When's the last time that you did good? Paul tells Titus in Titus 2.14, who gave himself for us, speaking of Jesus, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Titus 3.8, this is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. You ask the question, why do we need to do good? Why do we need to do good works? That is answered in Matthew 5, 16, Jesus speaking, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. It's important for people to see us doing good, reaching out and helping other people. That allows us in many cases, not in all cases, but generally speaking, when we do good, it allows us the opportunity one day to have an audience with those people and potentially share with them the wonderful good news of Jesus Christ. It opens that door up. I know that I have a medical assistant uh, at my office and she does a fabulous job, in my opinion. And Linda and I try to help her in certain ways. 
and do good by her. And because of that, not just because I'm her boss, but I'm sure that's part of it, but but because Linda and I have showed some kindness towards her and helped her and done some good to her and her family, she has a little cork board by her where she sits. And hanging up on that cork board now is one of our smiley tracks. And I believe that is there partly because we've done some good. And that's allowed me to share with her a gospel track. It's allowed me to share with her the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Don't forget to do good. So while, while we're trusting God, which I recommend you do, while you're eschewing evil, which I recommend you do, while you are departing from evil, which I recommend you do, don't forget to do good. Don't forget to help somebody else. Galatians 6.10 tells us, as we therefore, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. If there's a brother or sister in Christ that is in need, and I'm not talking just financial, but in need of prayer, in need of encouragement, in need of whatever, it could be financial, uh, we as individuals in this local body, in the family of God, we should reach out and do good to them. But he says unto all men as well. And so I encourage you this morning, trust in God. Trust in God first and foremost for salvation. But trust God for every step of the way after salvation. I recommend you eschew evil, avoid it, hate it with a passion. I recommend that you depart from evil. If you got something in your life right now that does not honor and glorify God, by all means, get it out. But as you do all those things, don't forget to do good. Hebrews 13, 6, uh, 13, 16. But to do good and communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. And I think most of you, if not all of you, by being here this morning, you want to please God, do you? I do. I want my God to be pleased with me. And according to Hebrews 13, 6, one of those areas that I can incur the pleasing of God is to do good. So trust God, please, and do good. Eschew evil and do good. Depart from evil and do good. So in doing all these things, please, as my title of my message is, in all that we do for the Lord Jesus Christ, in all these good things, trusting God, eschewing evil, and departing from evil, don't forget to do good. Don't forget to do good.
Because that's what Jesus did. And doing good pleases our Heavenly Father. Let's pray. Father, I appreciate the opportunity to bring your word this morning. I pray that it fell upon understanding ears, that your will was accomplished, that Jesus Christ was glorified, that your children were encouraged and educated in the things of God. Father, we pray that amongst even the membership and our visitors, if somebody is here and is uncertain if they're a child of God, they're uncertain if heaven is their home, would you please work in their life right now and, Father, bring them to that point where they place their faith in the only Savior, which is Jesus Christ. And, Father, help your children trust in you, eschew evil, and depart from evil. But as we concentrate and focus on those things, Heavenly Father, help us realize you also tell us, as we do those things, also to do good, to help other brothers and sisters in Christ, and even to help someone outside of the family of God do good towards them, praying that one day we will have the opportunity to share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. So help us, Father, even today, even as we walk out of this place in a few moments, help us do good. Help us do good this afternoon. Help us do good tonight. Help us do good all week long, the rest of our lives. Help us not to forget to do good. And we'll praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd all stand, we'll have a time of invitation. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.